Oh, bless the Lord. Are you happy today? Why wouldn't we be happy? I tell our folks all the time, we're so blessed. The blessed people call us blessed. Praise be to God. It is indeed a privilege and an honor to be associated with this great ministry and to be a part of this great meeting and to be allowed to minister here is just such an honor. And uh, I know you feel the same way to be a recipient, hallelujah, of all this, all this rich ministry. Let's believe God together, believe with me please, for utterance and anointing, for revelation, for direction. You know, those of you that are ministers especially, I mean, you got something on your heart, you prepare, but you got to stay open whichever way the Holy Spirit leads, right? So, uh, Father, we agree together as touching this, asking you for the anointing, asking you for the moving of your Holy Spirit, the working of your holy angels, asking for answers, direction, help right now. You know exactly what's needed in every life right now, and you're able to minister to every individual simultaneously. Amazing what you do. We ask for this in Jesus' name, and we purpose not to be hearers only, but to put into practice what you show us, and as surely as we do that, you'll watch over it and perform it in our lives. Miracles will happen. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. So be it. Praise be to God. Uh, would you turn, please, in the Scriptures to uh, 1 John, 3rd chapter. Like I mentioned as I, to, with Brother Kenneth, I, in seeking the Lord about my part, the Lord brought these thoughts up to me, and it's in connection with what he was talking about that the Lord gave us some years back about victory over death. The Lord actually allowed me an experience. Uh, my dad went home to be with the Lord uh, early and under circumstances that I wasn't happy with, and, and I was, uh, it bothered me for uh, several days. And uh, the Lord gave me some revelation about it. And then a few weeks after that, one early one morning before I woke up, I left my body. And I got to go see him. Amazing. Heaven is real. Hallelujah. It's real. And uh, after I saw him, I couldn't work up any grief. <laughs> You know what I mean by that? I mean, you know, he's, he's, not, he's not here on the earth, but I just saw him. And, you know, uh, with the Lord, uh, a thousand years, a millennia, is like a day. Well, that means a life of a hundred plus would be like a couple of hours. God time. And if you're over 50, 60, then it's only an hour left. <laughs> <laughs> Is that right? 
And a lot of folks are beyond that. So you see people cry and mourn when somebody leaves like like there's no hope. When the truth is, God time, you see them in 30 minutes. This is how we need to think. This is not fantasy. This is reality. Heaven is real. Somebody say heaven is real. You going there? Me too. We're all going. We're all going. But don't go early. I'm serious. The Lord, the harvest is great. And there's too many churches. <laughs> there's already too many churches, too many ministries. No, there's not. If, uh, if there's a, a landslide harvest and even 50% of the lost people got saved, you couldn't begin to get them in the churches. You understand? The truth is the harvest is great. And the laborers are few. We need everybody at full capacity in operation. And like Brother Kenneth was referring to, and living your full lifespan. Because when you leave early, that means the rest of us got to take up the slack. So we, we liable to show up at your mansion when we get there and say, hey. What was the idea? <laughs> Leaving early, giving us extra work. <laughs> now, in order to do that, uh, you have to fight. You know, I had the privilege of working at Brother Kenneth Hagin's ministry at the healing school for uh, decades. And uh, we saw people who received amazing miracles. And we saw people who didn't people who went home early. And I saw a characteristic about every person. I'm thinking of uh, two different ladies right now that were both uh, told they had uh, just weeks to live, the worst kind of cancer. Their bodies, in fact, you know, one of them, no need to even do and try to do any surgery, any treatment. There's nothing can be done. Both of them uh, are alive today. Hallelujah. In their, in their 80s. And this was decades ago. Whew. But both of them are fighters. Everybody say fighters. The Bible said fight the good fight of faith. You're not fighting trying to get God to do something for you. He's already done it. So what are you fighting? You have to fight discouragement. You have to fight fatigue. You have to fight the temptation to quit. You have to fight lack of desire. You got to get up and build a fire under yourself and stir yourself up and say, no, we're not leaving early with one of the devil's stinking diseases. No. No, I know I'm tired. I know it'd be better to be with the Lord, but I'm not done. When when I first, Phyllis and I first began to get a hold of the teaching on the Word of Faith, it was through this ministry. First ones we ever heard teach on that was Brother Kenneth and Miss Gloria Copeland. And then we got a 
acquainted, you know, with Brother Savell's ministry and, and Brother Capps and other ones. And uh, I was, uh, both of us were 18 years old. We married young. And um, I got a hold of this. One of the first things we learned was being redeemed from the curse of the law. Hadn't got over that yet. <laughs> and and I thought, glory to God, that's the most amazing thing I ever heard. Well, a lady in our church who's an elder, wonderful woman, had diagnosed with terminal cancer and was in the hospital bed fast. They said she only had, you know, maybe a month or two to live, and uh, if that long. And so uh, after work, I drive by the hospital and go to see her. And asked her, could I read scriptures to her? Well, I'm going to read healing scriptures. Well, she loved the Lord, but uh, she hadn't come up on a diet of faith and that kind of thing, like us. And, of course, I I'm, I'm just found out about this a month ago myself. <laughs> what are you laughing about? <clears throat> and so I came and I said, uh, Sister, I said, could I, could I read? Oh, yeah, you know, uh, she knew me when I was a baby, so she was, and she, she was glad to see me. And so I'd read scriptures, and I'd talk about being redeemed from the curse of the law. That didn't do much for us. She said, praise God. She said, but I've lived a good life, Keith, and I'm ready to go. And I thought, okay, but <laughs> we've been redeemed from the curse of the law. And <laughs> I'm so green. But, you know, the Lord will work with what you give him. If you just, if you just won't quit. So, I mean, tomorrow I'd drive by again. I'd say, could I read some scriptures? She'd say, yeah, yeah. And so I'd, I'd read about by his stripes were healed because I'd find that out too. And she'd say, well, that's great, you know, Keithy, but, um, <laughs> you know, I've lived a good life. I'm ready to go. I'm going to see the Lord. And I said, yeah, yeah, but, you know, and I just saw I'm not getting anywhere with her. And, and finally, after, I don't know, a couple of weeks of this, uh, I drove by again. I said, could I read? Yeah, come on in. And, and she's, she's in the bed, I'm immobile. And, and the Lord prompted me to go to Psalm 91. Brother Kenneth was talking about it. And so uh, I got to the end and I said, yeah, I read, said, with long life, I said, I'll satisfy him, show him my salvation. I said, Sister, I called her name and said, are you sure you're satisfied? I said, is there any, and the Spirit of God was leading me, is there any, anything, you know, that you feel like you hadn't completed and hadn't done? I said, you know, we, we need you in the church. I said, you know, young people like us, we don't know much, and we, we need our elders. And I said, you know, when you, when you get up and testify and, and praise the Lord, it just blesses the whole church. She said, I love going to church. I said, I know you do. I said, uh, and we need you. I said, is, is there anything else you feel? She said, well, yeah, you know, I'm. I'd like to come back to church. There's some things. I said, well, it said right here. It said, but long life. <laughs> I'll satisfy you. I saw a little twinkle in her eye. She said, you know, it does say that. I said, it says it right here. It says it right here. Right here. I haven't digressed. See, you, it's easy when you get hit and attacked to give up and quit. It's it, 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 quickly, it gets easier to leave and go home than it does to stay. And if you're going to stay when most people die, you're going to have to fight. I said, you're going to have to fight. You're going to have to resist 
the temptation to give up and quit, you're going to have to have a sense of purpose. Why I'm going to overcome. Why I'm going to stay. I got things to do. I'm going to run my whole race. I'm going to finish my entire course. I can leave when me and the Lord get good and ready for me to leave. Not one day early do I have to. Come on, say it out loud. I don't have to go early. I don't have to die from an accident, crime, disease. I will live my life, run my race, finish my course with joy. With joy. Now the joy of the Lord is your strength. So finishing with joy means finishing strong. It means finishing with a shout. Not a whimper. Not a whimper. Not a gasp. (laughs) With a shout. (laughs) Say it out loud. I'm going to go out with a shout. I'm going out with a shout. (laughs) Say it another time. I'm going out with a shout. This elder lady, she said, well, there there are some things I I, I would like to have done. I said, well, it says here, he'll satisfy. Are you satisfied? Are you completely satisfied? She said, well, I mean, there's some things. I said, it says right here. I came back the next day. I read the same verse to her. She got better and better and went home. Went home, stood up in church and testified, lived for years. Oh, somebody say glory to God. You know, Paul talking about dying, he said uh, to depart and be with Christ is far better. But he said, you know, looking at you, you need help. <laughs> it's more needful for me to stay here and, and, and which one I'm going to choose I wot not means I don't know which one you can see while he's writing this right. the spirit of God's helping him to decide right. whether he's staying or whether he's going and people will try to say you know it's preached from the pulpits well it's appointed unto man a time to die that's a misquote. And people will say, yeah, you know what time that might, it might, probably, it might be a Tuesday afternoon at 2.15. But when the clock clicks, the jig is up and you're out. I heard somebody say the other day, they're talking about flying. And they said, well, you know, don't be concerned. You won't go till your time comes. And they said, well, what if I get up there? Comes time for the pilot to die or for somebody else. You know, how's that going to work out? No, this is not true. It didn't say it's appointed a man a time to die. It's appointed unto man once. Once. And if you read Proverbs and other places, it says there are things you can do that will add days and years to your life. The psalmist said bloody and deceitful men won't live out half their days. So there are things you can do to cut your life in half. And there are things you can do that will add years to your life. 
Anybody adding years around here? Somebody adding years. You remember Hezekiah turned his face to the wall? I mean, the prophet came and told him, set your house in order. You, you're dying. I mean, when the Lord tells you you're dying, it's... <laughs> but he turned his face to the wall. Is that right? And he sought the Lord and repented. And, and, and before the prophet got all the way, he said, turn around, turn around. Go back. Tell him, I've heard your prayer. I've seen your tears. I'm adding to you. Fifteen years. Somebody say 15 years. Now that's a good chunk. I'm adding to you. 15 years. Did God change in that situation? Well, he never changes. It was always his will. But he needed the man to change for him to be able to add something to him. So what we do matters. How long we live and our quality of life And we can do things that can allow God to add on to what we would have lived. 5, 10, 15, 20 years more. Somebody say, thank you, Lord. Well, look with me in this text, if we can read it. In 1 John, the third chapter, I'm stirred up about some things here that Jesus has done for us. In 1 John 3 and verse 8, it says, He that commits sin is of the devil, for the devil sins from the beginning. And for this purpose, the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Hallelujah. Here is given by the Holy Spirit the purpose for the Word being made flesh and the Son of God, Son of Man, going to the cross and paying the price for us, He was manifested in order to destroy the works of the devil. Oh, somebody say, He was manifested manifested. to destroy destroy the works of the devil. The works of the devil. Well, now we know summation of the works of the devil in John 10.10, where Jesus said, The thief comes not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. That's the works of the devil. But then he goes on and says, But I am come. That's another way of saying why, why he was manifested. I am come what? That you might have, the Amplified says, have and enjoy life to the full until it overflows, the Amplified says, and that is the definition of abundant life. I'm come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Abundantly is more than enough, but it's got a more in front of that. that. That's why the Amplified says it the way it does. It's more than, more than enough life. It's super abundant life. Are we living the super abundant life? That's weak. <laughs> A lot of folks are not sure about that. Well, let's believe God to come up, right? To experience and live the super abundant life. Now, notice this phrase, 1 John 3 8. 
for this purpose was the Son of God manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Now this word destroy, if you look at, I'm reading the Amplified and we'll see why I'm going to mention this definition. Amplified version says, um, the reason the Son of God was made manifest, visible, was to undo. And then it gives an amplification of that. Destroy, loosen, and dissolve the works of the devil. And I think this, this one word they, that they use in the front of that parenthesis is very descriptive. From what I can tell, looking up definitions, undo sums it up for me. Undo. Destroy in our mind has one connotation. But there are different words translated destroy, the same English word in the same King James English Bible. And they don't have the same definition. Jesus has undone the devil's works. (laughs) I'm about to preach myself happy here. He has undone all the devil done did. (laughs) What do you mean? (sighs) We're going to see other scriptures, I hope. How that Jesus, through his death, burial, resurrection, going to the heart of the earth and ascending... Sat down, sitting down at the right hand of majesty on high. He has completely rendered mute and ineffective everything the devil did from the garden till now. And all through the future. He has rendered it void. He has undone what the devil did. Most people don't believe this. Most church-going people don't believe this. <laughs> Which is why you and I are on it right now. Is that right, you and I? <laughs> we ain't most church people, are we? <laughs> we we're them. <laughs> them. You one of them. <laughs> yeah, one of them tongue-talking, Bible-believing, Note-taking, convention-going, devil-rebuking, miracle-receiving. Yeah. Yeah, I'm one of them. (laughs) You're one of them. (laughs) I guarantee you, some of the places around town, they see you, they go, that's one of them. (laughs) That's that's one of them. They ought to be one of them. Everybody ought to be one of them. (laughs) In the book of Romans, you don't have to turn there, but especially chapters uh, 5, 6, 7, and 8, the revelation there is exactly what we're talking about. Now, the King James, the language is a little difficult because it's, I mean... 
the way some of that's worded. But basically it's, it's saying more than a half a dozen ways what Jesus did at Calvary is greater than what the devil did. Oh, hallelujah. <laughs> With Adam and the garden. What Jesus has done in justifying us. Hallelujah. And giving us eternal life is greater, far greater than the wages of sin and death that happened with Adam and Eve and the garden and all the descendants after them. There's a phrase I take issue with. You'll see if you agree with me or not. You'll hear this among many Christian groups. We're all just broken people. Hmm? We're all, you know, scarred uh, people. From, <laughs> did I lose somebody? <clears throat> Have you heard this or not? We're all, we're all just broken people. From what? Well, it's a mean old world. <laughs> people can be cruel. And, I mean, if you want to get people hooping and hollering, you, you start talking about this and go, oh, yeah, I got scars right here. I got, oh, <laughs> broke my heart when I was nine. I ain't got over it. Oh, it was, oh that was so mean. I'm a, I'm a scarred, flawed, broken individual, but Jesus loves me anyway. <laughs> That is belittling the work of redemption. Jesus did not come to patch us up. (laughs) Jesus didn't come to patch us up and kind of help us limp through life after what the devil has done to us. Jesus came to completely undo. 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 Completely undo everything the devil has done. All the works of the evil one. If you're a broken individual, it's just because you hadn't received your healing yet. Yeah, but you don't know what happened to me yet, and you don't know how powerful the work of the cross is. Yeah, but I've been through so much. Jesus went through so much (laughs) to make you not a repaired creature.
become new, 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 new. Not repaired. Not repaired. Not patched. We've got multitudes of Christians wallowing in self-pity. Reliving past hurts and pains. Acting like there's no healer. Acting like what Jesus did is not enough to overcome what the devil did. Come on, help me out, saints. Which is bigger? What the devil did? Or what God did? In Jesus. What what Jesus has done? Or what the devil did? Which one's bigger? Which one's greater? Was Jesus manifested? He has been. The Word became flesh. He was born. He grew up. He lived. He died. He rose again. It is finished. Has he done it? Has he done it? Then according to the Word of God, that undid all the works of the devil. Hallelujah. Woo. Praise God. Oh, man, I would have preached this to myself. (laughs) Let me give you this definition again from Strong's and Vine's. What does it mean to destroy the works of the devil? Like we said, the the Amplified says it that way, to, to undo, to destroy, to loosen, to dissolve the works of the devil or the works the devil has done. And to look up these, uh, the literal definition that I saw of this word, translated destroy, means down inactive. Down inactive. I know that doesn't read the best, but you know, ancient languages are reversed to ours. But another way to say that in our language, modern, would be to reduce to absolute inactivity. To reduce to inactivity. Listen to this. To render entirely idle and useless. To render entirely idle and useless. We we see these terms even in the scripture. To make void and to make of none effect. Jesus came. He was manifested. To render inactive and entirely useless and to make void and of none effect all the works of the devil. Hallelujah. And as I began to read this and meditate on it, uh, even last night, I began to think, (laughs) this is what it means to be more than a conqueror. What are you talking about? In the natural, you look back over history. When when somebody really hated an enemy and they won, 
They didn't just conquer them. They erased their history. (laughs) They tore down all the memorials. Wiped out their language. (laughs) Made it like they had never been. (laughs) That's more than conquering. That's what Jesus has done to the devil. When all this is said and done, millennia from now, somebody say something to Matthew the devil, people will look at you and go, what devil? <laughs> and the generations to come, we are, are those the sons of God that have lived through it and we will know it, but can you imagine what it'll be like a hundred thousand years from now, ten million years from now? You think you're gonna be sitting around holding on to your hurt? Where you got hurt when you were nine? <laughs> oh, oh, so bad. <laughs> Folks have not realized. They are preventing their own healing. They are continually interrupting the healing process the Lord would do in their life. Uh, Some years ago, Phyllis and I went to visit some friends. They had a little daughter. She was uh, a little bitty thing. Uh, And she came running in the room and and wanted to see me. And she said... uh, Brother Keith, Brother Keith, look, look, look. And she popped her knee up almost to my face and had a big Band-Aid on it. And come to find out, she was talking so fast I could barely understand her, that she was on her bike, her new bike, she just started riding with the training wheels and hit some patch of dirt or something and and went down and and got a boo-boo. And mom had fixed it all up, but it was it was a bad wreck. She was telling me, "Oh, it was it was it was bad." And so she popped this knee right up in my face, and she reaches and gets the bandage and starts pulling. I'm thinking, "Oh no, no, baby, don't do that!" But before I could, she ripped it all off, and all the healing that had taken place in the past few days. And then she grabs it and she pulls it open for me to see how deep it was. <laughs> I'm thinking, oh, Lord. <laughs> and as I'm sitting there, I tried to catch her and keep her from doing it, but she was too fast for me. And as I'm, and as I'm sitting there about to laugh, and the Lord said, this is why so many of my people don't heal. They're doing the same thing. They don't heal. Jesus said, the Spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me. Hallelujah. He sent me to heal. The Lord heals bodies, but that's not all he heals. Huh? He heals hearts, broken hearts. He heals broken hearts. But like Brother Kenneth is talking about, the first step of that is you got to forgive. 
You've got to forgive or elsewise you're holding an open wound. It's not going to heal. You've got to forgive and you've got to uh, allow him to pour in the oil and the wine. Right? And then you've got to stop bringing it up. You've got to quit talking it and quit reliving it and let the Lord heal this thing. Right? But you see what people do. Maybe you've done it. Maybe I've done it. But let's stop it. That, uh, you know, you, you have a good, make some good progress on this. And, and you're, you're feeling a little better and getting a little better. You didn't think about it all day today. And getting a little bit stronger. And then somebody calls up and says, you know, I was just thinking today about how that old heifer treated you. <laughs> I mean, understand just with that, this conversation is going the wrong way. Is that right? And and then get into you know talking about it and stir you up and and then if you go that way, you will have supernatural recall of the details of what they did to you. Have you ever seen it? Oh, you know you have. Husbands and wives. You ever got into an intense discussion? Huh? And you begin to remember what they said and did. And I mean, you recall every detail. It's like you inspired. To, to describe it in... It's because you are inspired, but it ain't the Holy Spirit. It's the enemy. Why? Because you're actually reopening wounds. The Bible said there is that speaks like the piercing of the sword. It's just like getting stabbed with something. It pierces. Maybe it didn't pierce your body, but it pierced your, your heart, pierced your soul, your feelings. Your mind. And uh, it, it does injury. Well, no matter how bad, and, and, and I know people have gone through some terrible things. I'm, I'm not trying to say you that you hadn't gone through some things. But here's the big thing Can the Lord heal it or not? Yes. Is what Jesus did greater than what the enemy has done? Yes. And why did Jesus come? Come on, help me out. Why did he come? Why? To completely undo everything the devil did. Completely. I mean, when this thing is all said and done, have you read the back of the book? When this thing is all said and done, there will be zero death. There won't be any vestige or mark or mar of sin anywhere in our existence. There will be no more sorrow, no more pain, no more dying. None. It'll be 
like it never happened. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Somebody say like it never happened. Now I'm talking about what happened in Eden. What happened in the garden with Adam and Eve. And the, the, the sin, the betrayal, and everything that happened after that. And it's a lot of terrible stuff that's going on right now on the earth. Satan's operating as the god of this world. It's, it's terrible. Darkness is everywhere. But Jesus... He was manifested to undo, render null and void, loose, and destroy all the works of the devil. And when all is said and done, new heavens, new earth, wherein is zero curse, it'll be like it never happened. And the good news is, you and I can experience the first fruits of our inheritance right now, which means we can experience a foretaste of this like it never happened. Oh, the Spirit of God's doing some things. The Spirit of God's doing some things. You must turn loose of the past, and you must receive your healing. And let God completely restore you and quit act, quit making excuses for your behavior because of the way you grew up. Well, I, I can't love like I should because I wasn't loved. And, and you know, I, I was beat, so that's why I beat. People do what they can get away with. No. You hear people say, well, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. You're not an old dog. You're a new creation. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. New. Oh, somebody say new, 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 new. Hallelujah. It's because of the Lord's mercies that we're not consumed. They are what? New every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. The Spirit of God in us is the regenerating Spirit. Oh, somebody say regenerating. Re regenerating. The regenerating and renewing of the Holy Spirit is a New Testament phrase. And you remember the scripture says, though the outward man is perishing, growing older, yet the inner man is renewed. Huh? I don't care if you've been born again 95 years. You're not any more aged than when you were born again. You should have developed and grown, but you're not aging or wearing out. And your mind is a part of the inner man. Oh, you, I don't know if you heard that or not. Your mind 
is not your brain. Your mind is not your brain. Your brain is the physical organ your mind functions through and expresses through. But your mind is a part of your eternal being. And as, as we fellowship with the Lord and don't allow this other stuff, it's renewed. Day by day. Somebody say renewed. You should be getting sharper. More light. Hallelujah. If you won't talk, unbelief. Well, you know, I'm getting older now. You know, things getting a little fuzzy these days. Don't remember everything like I used to, but <laughs> that's stupid talk. And it'll make you stupid. <laughs> we tell our little ones, we in the church they're taught this to say, I'm quick, I'm bright. I'm sharp, good looking, very rich, and a major blessing. That works good when you're five, works good when you're 95. Come on, somebody say, I'm quick. I'm sharp. I'm bright. Good looking, rich, and a major blessing. That's me. I'm a blessing going somewhere to happen. I leave a blessing trail. Yes. Blessings in my wake. Hallelujah. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. It, it matters so much. Did you know that problems with the mind and deficiencies in the mind are part of the curse of the law? Have you read it? Deuteronomy 28. Crazed in the wits, bewildered, all this does anybody remember another scripture in the New Testament about being redeemed from the curse of the law? Are you or not? Yes. Did Christ redeem us from being crazed in the wits, bewildered and, and losing your mind? Then I want you to say it real strong. I, I will never, will never lose, my mind. lose my mind. I will never I will never lose my mind. I've been redeemed. Have you? I've been redeemed from problems in the mind. Bewilderment. Crazed. I'm redeemed. I'm redeemed. Thank you, Lord. I know one of my aunts when she was 103. You could ask her about the family tree. She could name them all without looking at a book. She said, well, so-and-so married so-and-so, which was so-and-so's daughter and girl. And they had three kids, you know, a boy and two girls, and they married so-and-so. I mean, she talked to you for two hours. 103. God's no respecter of persons. Unless you get to talking all this junk that most people talk. And make excuses why you're going to get dollar and dollar. No. The Lord came to undo all of that. If it's stealing, it's a work of the devil. It's stealing from you. If it's destroying, if it's killing, it's a work of the devil. And the Lord has undone all the works of the devil. 
Praise God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Oh, praise God. Hallelujah. Go to uh, 2 Timothy, the first chapter. 2 Timothy 1. Whew, like it never happened. Like it never happened. Can you have, is it possible to have an absolutely, absolutely awful childhood and terrible teenage years and awful young adulthood or whatever? Is it possible to be so saved and so healed and so restored that people watching you today would have no idea that you ever went through that kind of life? Is the work of Jesus greater than the works of sin and curse and the death? But the enemy will try to get you to hold on to that. He'll even try to get you to use it to get people to feel sorry for you or to get out of things. Use it. If you use it, you won't lose it. What do you mean? For instance, physical things. You got to watch about using it to get out of work, using it to get out of your duties and this and that. If you, if you use it, you're going to keep it. It's going to stay on you. Hmm? But you, if you stand up and say, I refuse to have this. I, I refuse to. I'm not just talking about that if the symptom is still there, it's still there. But you don't have to identify with it. I'm not the lost trying to get healed, trying to get saved. Hmm? If I acted like a heathen for a moment yesterday, that's a symptom. <laughs> don't be moved by that. Because I am saved. I'm saved. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. I identify with him, who I am in him. Same thing with healing. If I got symptoms of not being healed, I'm not the sick trying to get healed, trying to be good enough to earn a healing. I'm the healed, and I'm not moved by this. I'm the healed. I'm the saved. Did you know you're also the rich? <laughs> Did you know you are? That, this redemptive language. Substitutionary language. Though he was rich, yet for your sakes, he became poor. So you could be poor too. <laughs> Millions of church going people would tell you that, hey, Jesus was poor. You should be poor too. He didn't have anywhere to live. <laughs> no. We got to separate his example from his substitutionary sacrifice. He wasn't made sin so we could live in sin. He wasn't made sick so we could be sick. He, he didn't become poor so we could be poor. So, so quit thinking about being the poor, trying to get rich. You are. Somebody say, I am the rich. <laughs> He's made me rich. He's made me righteous. He's made me holy. He's made me healed. He's made me rich. I am 
a child of God. Well, if you if you're God's kid, he's the richest being there's ever been or ever will be. Why wouldn't that make you rich too? Well, you are joint heirs with Jesus. You inherit the whole thing. He, he said, it's your father's good pleasure to give you the whole thing. Give you the kingdom. Whew. <laughs> Glory to God. Undone. Undone. What about all that stuff the enemy was able to put you through? Undone. Quit looking back. Hmm? Undone. He is able. All kinds of people try to tell you, no, you've been scarred for life. Huh? You're just a broken individual, but Jesus came to save you anyway. He came. We just got through reading the scripture. He didn't just come to patch you up, honey. He was manifested to undo everything the enemy has been able to do. Yeah, but I've been through so much. Stop talking about it. Quit jerking off the bandage and showing everybody how bad it is. It is what you do when you when you yield to it. And people will say, well, just let it out. Just, just let it out. No, when you're heaving and sobbing and you need to blow your nose, you're not, you're letting it in. You're yielding. To sorrow of the world that works death. You need to resist that stuff. There are times you need to dry your eyes and stand up. And say no. No. I got no reason to feel sorry for myself. That's gone. That's behind me. I've been forgiven. I've been redeemed. I'm hallelujah healed. Jesus has undone. Everything. The devil was able to do. And you'll hear even Christians say, well, yeah, but you, you, got, you, you reap what you sow. You reap what you sow. You made your bed hard. You got to lie in it. Not if somebody else laid in it for you. Not if somebody reaped what you sowed. Yeah, I sowed it. Yeah, you sowed it, but did Jesus deserve any of the punishment he got? He took what he didn't deserve in our place. Not so we'd have to go through it again, but so we wouldn't have to go through it. Hallelujah. And you're either forgiven or you're not. You're either clean or you're not. But you only experience as much of this as you receive by faith. And so when you, when you make a mistake, come up short. The reason you need to confess it is not to try to get God to do something else. Nothing else needs to be done. That's your process of receiving the forgiveness and the cleansing and washing. And the important part of it, you're not going to receive any cleansing if you don't even acknowledge that you need any. Oh, come on, can you see this? You're not going to receive anything, but if you make a mistake, then you need to say, Lord, I, I knew better than that. 
I violated light. I, I call it wrong. I repent. And then do not go the rest of the day feeling bad or ashamed. Immediately receive cleansing. Receive righteousness. And declare that you deserve no judgment. Because Jesus was judged in your place. And you give the devil no access. Didn't the Bible say give, give him no place? Give him no place to you. I want to lead you in a confession right now. Say it out loud. I, I receive forgiveness. I receive cleansing and washing. I receive righteousness and holiness. The enemy has nothing in me. I deserve no judgment, no punishment. Because Jesus, because Jesus took my place. Took my place. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you stand on that, you act on that, even though you sowed some bad stuff, you don't have to reap it. If we really got to reap everything we sowed, the wages of sin is death. That means we're going to hell. I ain't going. <laughs> you going? I ain't going. Why? You sowed it? You sowed it? Yeah, but Jesus went there for me, took my place. Went to, he reaped what I sowed. So I don't have to reap what I sowed. Included in that, he took on him the source and cause of every physical infirmity and disease. When the stripes were being laid on him. You could see that physically. But that was not all that was happening. In the spirit. The source and cause. Of every infirmity and disease. Was laid on him. That includes the ones. You inflicted on yourself. In your sin. People say well. I, I drank like a fish. And I destroyed my liver. So you know. Here I am. I just have to live with it. No. You don't. He took it. Oh, somebody say, he took it. He took it, which means that any damages from sin can be undone. Oh, we've seen it. We've seen it over and over again. The damages from sin, sexually transmitted diseases, stomach problems, Accidents that you had because you were high and drunk and crazy. Thing after thing after thing. Well, yeah, I did it. I did it so I had to live with it. No, you don't. No, you don't. You don't. Because Jesus didn't deserve those stripes laid on his back. He didn't deserve the chastisement of our peace on him. He didn't deserve any of that. Why is he doing it? He's taking it. Because you had it coming. And I had it coming. And so he stood in front of it and took the bullet. <laughs> For us. Oh, somebody say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. He stepped in front of the bullet of judgment and punishment for us. And since he was judged in my place, 
I deserve no judgment. Oh, it makes the devil mad when you say that. Oh, it makes him mad because he's getting judgment. And he can't get out of it because he won't repent. And for him, there's no redemption. And so he's vehement about, you know, that he has the right to access when you deserve punishment and destruction. And when you stand up and you say, no, I deserve no punishment. None. Why? He took my place. You're standing on your redemptive rights. It stops demons in their tracks. All the plans the enemy had, it just, it just puts them on hold, puts them stop. Oh, somebody say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Maybe we can read this scripture now. Second Timothy. One and uh, nine, it says he saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. <laughs> Come on, think about this. Our Father, He is so big. We really have such a little idea how big and vast He is. He saw the end from the beginning. He knew Adam and Eve would mess up. Hmm? But He already saw what He would do in Christ to undo every bit of it like it never happened. Oh, somebody say glory to, glory to God. And he called us and uh, according to his purpose before the world began, but is now made manifest by the appearing. Now, that's the same kind of idea why the Son of God was manifested. Appearing <clears throat> of our Savior Jesus Christ who has abolished that's a strong word <laughs> abolished death somebody say abolished death now that's not just helping you make it through death that's not a patch that's not a fix what did he do to all the works of the devil? Undid them. What has he done to, with, with death? Abolished it. <laughs> Abolished it. <laughs> Somebody said, well, it's uh, st still a whole lot of dying going around. <laughs> going around on us. I know it, but it's a matter of time. The clock's Amen. ticking. Amen. First Corinthians 15 says, death is the last enemy. That will be put underfoot, but it's already been written. Amen. Oh, glory to God. And that's why in Revelation it talks about you and I, our future is one with no death. We ought to shout about that the rest of the day because you've never experienced anything with no death. We were born into a place full of death where everything dies. 
I mean the entire known universe is actually spooling down. Our star is dying. Our planet is dying. The grass, the goldfish, everything is dying. Everything. But God's changing all of that. This one can't be fixed. Which is why it's going to melt with fervent heat. And there's going to be a new new heavens and a new earth. And we're going to rule and reign with him in a place where there is no curse and no death. Nothing ever dies. Not even not a blade of grass. Nothing. No animal. Nothing ever dies. Not a hair on your head. Not a skin cell on your face. Nothing will ever die again. Because Jesus has appeared and undone the works of the devil and abolished death. Oh, somebody say, he abolished death. Say it again, he abolished death. Ho, ho, ho. Woo. He abolished death. Listen to the Amplified again. It's, it's good on this. It says, uh, he, he's now made known and fully disclosed and made real to us through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who annulled death and made it of no effect. And brought life and immortality, immunity from eternal death to light through the gospel. That means far more than we're grasping right now. But you can, can you receive it by faith? Do you, see, your spirit's going, whoo, this is good, whoo, this is good. And your head's going, huh? What? What? Did I miss something yet? Yeah. yeah, you missed a lot. But just hang in there. <laughs> Hang in there. We're coming back around. <laughs> Go with me to John, Gospel account of John. And brother, brother Kenneth referred to this earlier today. And I think I can close with this. John chapter 5. And I'm going to read a couple of passages here. He has rendered mute uh, Brought to naught, undone. These are not words that help you deal with it. <laughs> the, yeah, these are not coping mechanisms. <laughs> the, this, this is the Lord taking it out. And, and this, this has got to be infuriating to a being so proud as the devil. He's been trying to leave his mark on this earth and on us for millennia, which to the the God is just a few days. And very soon, there's going to be no trace of what he did. With us, no trace of what he did. That's being a hooper nikeo. A what? Hooper nikeo. (laughs) 
That's the word, Greek word, I may not be pronouncing it right, for more than a conqueror. We get our words that we get from the Greek, hyper and Nike, or Nike, which means conqueror. Hyper, you know what hyper means. <laughs> you're not just a Nike, you're a hyper Nike. Or we probably say, we're so used to the shoe, we'd say Nike. Somebody said, out, why don't you try it on? I'm a hyper Nike. <laughs> I'm a hyper, what is that? More than a conqueror. You didn't just survive. You didn't just survive. You're not just a survivor. You win. You're restored like it never happened. You don't even stop there. Then, for the rest of your life, you make the devil wish he had never messed with you. (laughs) You take what he tried to put on you and you make him eat it for the next 50 years. That's being a hyper Nike. More than a conqueror. What are you talking about? I, I think about Brother Hagin when I think about this. Because, you know, they said he should have died when he was born. And then they said the conditions that he had, nobody had ever, nobody had ever lived past 16 years of age. If one thing wouldn't have killed him, two or three other ones would have killed him. But on the bed paralyzed, 16 years old, he got a hold of Mark 11, 23 and 24. And he believed he received his healing when he's paralyzed, laying in the bed. And the Lord said, you believe you're well? He said, I sure do. He said, well, people ought to be up this time of day. (laughs) He pushed his paralyzed legs out of the bed. He said they fell on the floor like clumps of wood. He he held on to the the, uh, post of the bed. And he said, I want to declare before God and the angels and, and men and the devil, I'm healed. I'm healed. And he said he felt something like warm honey hit him in the top of the head. And just flowed all over his body. Next thing you know, he said he's standing on his own power. He said his legs felt like there were thousands of pins sticking in them. He said it hurt so bad, but it felt so good. And then, for what, 65, 70 years, he affects you and me and all over the world. Not only did he not lay down and die, but he told everybody the devil wasn't big enough to do it and told them how they could receive. Don't you think as all the people in ministries like us after years and tens and twenties and fifty years and more, don't you think the devil's going, man, I should have never put that on him. I should have never, I should have never put that, I should have just given to somebody that would have died with it. But no, he won't die and he just keeps preaching and preaching and telling everybody. That's being more than a conqueror. Hyper Nike, that's, you didn't just win. You didn't just survive. You overcome to the point, it's like it never happened in your life. And you don't stop there. You tell everybody that the devil wasn't big enough to do it. 
You tell them how they can receive too. That's being more than a conqueror. And it'll help you. It'll help you so much when this gets ingrained in you and the enemy really starts messing with you about something and, and it drags out longer. You can get sassy and you can say, hey, make it light on yourself. <laughs> more you mess with me on this, I'm going to make you eat it. I'm gonna, I, you, you better make it your hat size because you're going to wear it. You're going to wear it. The curse causeless shall not come. You cannot curse whom God has blessed. And I am blessed. This thing's going to boomerang. Right back on your head. (laughs) You're going to wish you hadn't messed with me. You're going to wish you hadn't done it. (laughs) If you've got that attitude in the middle of the symptoms, you've already won. You've already won. Oh, where's my scriptures at? Where's my scriptures? For time's sake, go to John 8. I won't, if, if I get started on John 5, I'll preach again. And go to John 8, verse 51. John 8, 51. Jesus said, if Jesus says something is true, if he says verily before he says it, it's, it's true, but man, you better, you better perk up. If he says, verily, verily. Man, stop the bus. Is that right? Turn the music off. You better pay attention. Verily, verily, I say to you, if a man keeps my saying, he shall never see death. Why? Because he has abolished it. He knew he was about to go to the cross and do this. He, and he has done it now. He has abolished it. Amen. Now folks will get to thinking in the natural and go, well, that mean I'm never going to die physically? He didn't say that. He said, you won't see it. Keep reading. He says it another way, the very next verse. Then the Jews said to him, now we know you have a devil. <laughs> Anybody ever said that about you? So you shouldn't fall off your chair if they do. We know you have a devil. Abraham's dead. The prophets are dead. And you say, if a man keeps my saying, he'll never taste of death. And that was an inspired way to say it. Because have you read in Hebrews that Jesus tasted death for every man? I'm going to read that to you. Just hold your place. In John, Hebrews 2.9 says, We see Jesus, who was a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. Why did he taste death for us? So we wouldn't have to. Now, John 11 John 11. The Lord tarries his coming. If he tarries his coming, his time, five minutes, ten minutes, thirty minutes, that's too long for you and me. Right? Our bodies will die. Our spirits will slip out of our body like a hand out of a glove. 
but we'll never taste it. We'll never taste it. We'll never see it. Uh, a member of our church uh, a while back was in, involved in a tragic accident, and, and uh, some folks were, you know, I, I was praying about speaking at, at the memorial service, and and uh, uh, people were talk, thinking about the circumstances and what they must have gone through, and uh, how dark and hard it, and terrible it must have been. And, and as I was praying about it, the Lord said, no. He said, I was right there with him. <laughs> he said, I was right there with him. And uh, when he was slipping out of this life, I was right there with, with his hand, and he was in the light with me. He never saw it. He never tasted it. Death is nothing to fear for the child of God. Nothing to fear. People look at it only from the natural side. They think, oh, it's so hard. It's so terrible. Uh, You've never done it. What do you know about it? (laughs) And person after person after person, when you you hear about their dying, especially unbelievers, you hear one of the first things they said, I saw this light. I saw this bright light. Oh, it was this brilliant, amazing bright light. And, and for years I had I'd made notes about that and studied about that when I heard it. And finally one day I thought, well, of course, God is light. <laughs> he's, he's light. What do you think you're going to see? <laughs> right? <laughs> he is light. That's who he is. That's what he is. But uh, in John 11, verse 25, Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whoever lives and believes in me. Come on, is that you? Who who in here will identify with this? You say, I believe in him. Huh? He's made me alive. I'm alive in Christ. He, whoever lives and believes in me, shall never die. Shall never die. Shall, say it out loud, never die. Shall never die. Then he says, do you believe this? She said, yes, Lord, I believe you're the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. I know when my, when my dad went home early. Like I said, under the circumstances, it bothered me the way it happened. And that evening, I was crying and distraught about it. And I didn't like the way it happened. I, I know we can stay here longer, I, that kind of thing. And so, uh, Brother Kenneth and Miss Gloria uh, heard about it and, and said, uh, we won't talk to you. And so I called them on the phone. And, and as we are talking, Brother Kenneth got a glimpse of something. He said, Keith, he said, I don't think your dad knew he died. Till afterwards. And when he said it, I knew it was right. In my spirit. And you, I, I, I've, I've made this a study for some years about these, you know, near, they call it near death or after death experiences. And time after time, all at once somebody is outside their body, looking at their body, or looking down on the operating room or whatever it is, 
And oftentimes people are out of their body for some time before they realize, hey, that's my body. <laughs> a lot of times they go, man, I look old. Whoa. <laughs> Didn't know I looked that old. <laughs> your spirit, your mind, you don't turn into an angel. You don't turn into something else. That'd be a demotion. When you're born again, you have eternal life in you. You will never die. Oh, did you hear that or not? You, you will never die. And Jesus took on flesh and died in the flesh and he tasted death. He saw it. He tasted it. He felt it. He experienced the full brunt of the ultimate curse of sin, which is death. He went through it all. He went through the, uh, uh, Brother Hagin used to say this. He said, uh, the Lord tarries is coming. You, You go through the gates of death. He said, you don't have to go through the jaws of death. There's a passage But you don't have to go through the the torment. He that believes in me will never die. He won't see death. He won't taste death. Why? Because Jesus tasted death for every man. And he abolished death. And has undone all the works of the enemy. Friend, we need to stay here as long as we're supposed to. Don't leave early. But when it comes time to go, Paul, Paul knew it. He said, the time of my departure is at hand. He said, I've run a good race. I fought a good fight. I've kept the faith. I'm ready. You want to keep going till you finish, till you get ready. But then when it's time, it's not something to dread. For the child of God, it's glorious. Hallelujah. When you breathe your last, you'll slip out of your body like a hand comes out of a glove. You won't even taste it. You you won't even taste death. It may be a little while before you realize you're out of the body, except you'll go, whoa, I feel good. I feel feel so good. (laughs) And all the constraints of this are gone. And removed, and you look up, and probably your angel is there, and you go, Hey, hey. He said, You ready? Yeah. You want to go the scenic route? Yeah. I want to see everything. And you're out of here. Out of here. But until then, I'm a super, more than conqueror, hyper Nike, not living in the past as though it never happened. Can you say amen? Amen. Stand on your feet, everybody. Oh, praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Let's lift our hands and give glory to the Lord. Let's give thanks to the Father. Oh, let's give him thanks. Lift your hands. Father, we worship you. We glorify you. Thank you. Let's thank Jesus for what he has done for us. Master, we thank you. 
Thank you for tasting death for every one of us. Thank you for experiencing it so we don't have to. Thank you. Thank you for undoing everything the devil has done. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Praise God.